be here again, and uh, I would not want to be in jail for anything tonight, or the hospital. I like right where I'm at. Anybody else with me? All right. Well, it is great to see you all tonight, and all you folks at home that are joining us on live stream, we do appreciate you tuning in, and uh, I'd like to encourage you to get your Bibles and open to Philemon, Philemon, and uh, you could take your scriptures and your phone or your tablet and find Philemon. It's the end of the New Testament, back in the back. <clears throat> take a minute. I hear all those pages rustling. I'm just kidding. I don't hear any pages rustling. So, uh, but it is good to be here tonight. I want to encourage you to be praying for Pastor and Miss Sherry as they're traveling. Uh, they'll be back probably sometime on Wednesday, and uh, we are excited that they got to kind of break away for a little trip, and uh, they get to celebrate Nathan and his graduation. It's a pretty awesome thing, and just being able to uh, let them get away, and I appreciate the church here. I want to say thank you so much for the opportunity, the privilege to uh, be on staff here and, and serve as the associate pastor and um, that you would allow me to stand behind the pulpit and, and preach and teach the word of God. I, I don't take that lightly. I take it seriously and I know it is without a doubt a privilege uh, to do that. So let's look at Philemon and we're going to look at verses 8 through 17. Verses 8 through 17 and uh, we're going to start with uh, Verse 8 here, Wherefore, though I might be much bold in Christ to enjoin thee that which is convenient, yet for love's sake I rather beseech thee, being such and one as Paul the aged, and now also a prisoner of Jesus Christ, I beseech thee for my son Onesimus, whom I have begotten in my bonds, which in times past was to thee unprofitable, but now profitable to thee and to me. Whom I have sent again, thou therefore receive him, that is mine own bowels. Whom I would have retained with me, that in thy stead he might have ministered unto me in the bonds of the gospel. But without uh, thy mind would I do nothing, that thy benefit should not be as it were of necessity, but willingly. For perhaps he therefore departed for a season, that thou shouldest receive him forever." Now, not, uh, not now as a servant, but above a servant, a brother beloved, especially to me, but how much more unto thee, both in the flesh and in the Lord. If thou count me therefore a partner, receive him as myself. As we look in this passage of scripture, we see some really interesting things. Now, you know, uh, several uh, lessons ago, we started this study in the book of Philemon, and we've been reviewing how Paul is a prisoner. He's in Rome. He's in prison. This is one of the prison epistles. And he's writing this from a place where he has been, been put in this imprisonment for the cause of Christ. He was sharing the gospel, arrested and, and incarcerated because of it. In the process of being incarcerated and put into prison, he takes this moment in time of his life to write these prison epistles. And in the process of doing that, he's communicating to the churches uh, these needs and uh, these lessons from the Holy Scriptures that the Holy Spirit is working in his heart to convey. As we look here, we see that Paul, in the process of, of, uh, of uh, teaching through these Scriptures, that he, he wins a young man named Onesimus 
to the faith in Jesus Christ. And Onesimus becomes a son in Paul's faith, one who he is discipling and caring for. Now, the backstory of Onesimus is that Onesimus was a slave to a Christian believer named Philemon. And Philemon had a house church, and in that house church, uh, Philemon uh, had his wife and uh, his son and some other believers who would meet within his house, and they were learning and being discipled, and Paul knew of them, and Paul had fellowship with them. And now Onesimus shows up in Rome in prison, and Paul begins to talk to Onesimus, wins him the Christ, disciples him, and now it's time for Onesimus to be released to go back to his master. So in the process of Onesimus going back to his master, Paul sends a letter, this book of Philemon, with Onesimus to give to Philemon, the master, in reference to Onesimus and this conversion that has taken place. Let's start out with verse 8 as we study the Word of God tonight. The Bible says, Wherefore, though I might be much bold in Christ to enjoin thee that which is convenient. We see here this word enjoin is to arrange or to order or to charge. So when we read this passage of Scripture, I want you to think of, of the idea here that Paul is telling uh, Philemon, though I might be much bold, I'm going to be very forward with you. I'm going to, uh, to, to, to put expectation here in Christ. That word to enjoin is to arrange or to charge or to command you to do that which is inconvenient. Now, Paul here, he, he doesn't want to to tell Philemon, you have to do what I'm about to tell you to do. He's, he's charging him. He's encouraging him. He's, in, he's, he's imploring him. Uh, he's instructing him in the ways of the scriptures to consider what he's about to say. You see here, this basically has the effect. Is Paul is trying to tell a Philemon, don't take what I'm about to say as a command. Take what I'm about to say as a suggestion and as a teaching, as something to consider uh, in your walk in faith as relation to your relationship with Onesimus. Now, as you look here, Paul did not use his authority as an apostle to tell Philemon what to do. You do not see that anywhere in here. As a matter of fact, we kind of looked at this before in the study. As Paul's teaching Philemon or communicating with Philemon in this book, he's telling Philemon, listen, I, I, I am not coming to you based on my apostleship. I'm coming to you. And if you notice in the study as you read, he uses the term several times as being a prisoner of Jesus Christ. If you look here in this passage, you'll see that he even used in verse 9, he uses this statement, yet for love's sake, I rather beseech thee being such an one as Paul the aged and now also a prisoner of Jesus Christ. When you look in this passage, you even go to passage, the passage in the first verse, Paul says he's a prisoner of Jesus Christ. And Timothy, our brother unto Philemon, our dearly beloved and fellow laborer. If you look in this passage of scripture, you will not see Paul uh, opening this book and communicating in this book that he is using his apostolic authority to communicate what he's communicating and what he's trying to talk to Philemon about. Paul strictly is trying to approach Philemon as a fellow brother in Christ, one who is in prison, one who is, is older, he, he's aged. However, in the process of communicating, he wants to, to have Philemon uh, uh, listen to him based on a mutual friendship 
a mutual camaraderie, a mutual respect that they have for one another and not one based off of Paul and his apostleship or his authority as an apostle in Jesus Christ. We see here in verse 9, he says, yet for love's sake, I'd rather beseech thee. That word beseech is, I want to invite, I want to, uh, to, to express a desire or exhort you to consider this. He says, for the love's sake, I'd rather beseech thee, being such an one as Paul the aged, and now also a prisoner of Jesus Christ. He says, listen, Paul not only aligns himself as being one that is, is a prisoner of Jesus Christ, he aligns himself in such a way where he does not put the expectation on Philemon to obey him as, as Philemon's master. Understand, if Paul approached this book and this communication with Philemon in such a way where he said, I'm an apostle and I'm asking you or I'm telling you to do this, Philemon would have to, would have to from a scriptural perspective, listen to what Paul's saying and obey him based on the, the apostle of Jesus Christ telling him to do so. And it's amazing to me how Paul approaches Philemon in, in a tender way and in a way that, that lets Philemon know, I'm not coming to you as necessarily an authority. I'm coming to you as a brother, as a friend, as someone that is an equal, and I'm asking you to consider this scriptural principle that I'm getting ready to tell you. I think this is really interesting. In my experience, I've been in ministry. Uh, understand, I, uh, my dad was a pastor, so uh, I kind of grew up in a ministry environment. And um, as I got in, I was 16 years old when I felt God uh, impressing on me in my life to go into vocational ministry, to actually uh, devote my life to working in uh, a, a church environment, to disciple people and to bring people uh, to Christ and to help grow the kingdom. Uh, kingdom. And as I've ministered since being 16 years old till this day, um, I want you to understand that so many times in my life I have worked with and alongside pastors who have an expectation that the people of the church listen to them based on their authoritative figure. And I love the book of Philemon. One of the things I love about it is the shepherd's heart that Paul writes with that he does not put this demand from an authoritative perspective on Philemon. He approaches him as an equal brother in Christ, sharing what the biblical truth is as to what he needs to do or what he ought to consider doing with Onesimus, this now converted slave that ran away. So as we look here, and we're going to get into this a little bit further as we study tonight, but we look here in verse 9, we see here that Paul, uh, in his age... He's, he's, he's putting a little bit of pressure on Philemon from a standpoint of being called the elder. He calls himself the elder, if you look here in verse 9, as to say, listen, Philemon, I have this request of you. I, I have this thing that, that we need to resolve with Onesimus, and I want you to consider my age, how old I am, and that I, I've got years of wisdom and experience, and I'm here. And, and Paul tries to approach him as a brother to a brother, an older brother to another older brother to say, hey, uh, we need to work through this and, and you need to understand the dynamics of what's happened here in this young man's life. Let's look at verse 10. He says, now, now I think it's interesting, Paul uses this term in verse 9 and verse 10. You see the word beseech in both verses? So Paul, Paul is very clearly 
He is identifying himself with someone that is making a request. He, he is not demanding. He is, he is coming forth to teach and to provide information to give uh, Philemon an opportunity to make a choice. And it's Philemon's choice to make. Understand in all this that Paul is not trying to tell Philemon how to deal with his slave. It's not Paul's place to do that. It's Philemon's slave. Onesimus belonged to Philemon. And so Paul is trying to approach this delicately to let Philemon know, listen, I want you to consider this as a brother-to-brother type of scenario. Verse 10, I beseech thee for my son uh, for my son Onesimus, whom I have begotten in my bonds. That is, his son in the faith. Paul has led Onesimus to Jesus Christ. Onesimus runs. Uh, he, he ends up in jail. While he's in jail, he comes in contact with Paul. The apostle Paul delivers the gospel and lives out the gospel to Onesimus. Onesimus says, man, I want what you have. Onesimus comes to faith in Jesus Christ. He becomes a believer. So now Paul has taken Onesimus under his wing and began to disciple him and bring him along in his faith. And in in spiritual context, he is now a son, a spiritual son to Paul. As you look here, you'll see in verse 10 that that Onesimus was, was a convert of Paul and Paul viewed him as being his spiritual father. Now, if you look here, we also see that he's been converted by the efforts of Paul sharing the gospel in prison. Now, I know that uh, s- several lessons ago we kind of got into this, but I want to remind everyone, everyone Paul's perspective. Paul's perspective was not that he was a prisoner of Rome. Paul's perspective was God in his omniscience, God in his sovereignty saw fit for me to be in prison. And there's a reason I'm in prison, and I'm going to serve God in this prison to look and to fulfill the reason at which God has put me here. So many times in our lives as believers, we get put into situations where we end up with physical issues in our life that we don't understand why God has allowed these things to take place or why because of the fall of man, I had to be the one that drew the number to get this ailment, okay? We think, why did I have to go into a marriage that, that is, is dysfunctional and hard? We think, why did I have to go, uh, why did financial choices in my life uh, and financial situations in my life cause me to end up being in this tough spot? Why did choosing the wrong friends, why did, why did this situation or that situation cause me to be in a place that for most intents and purposes, most people will look at as a negative thing in a person's life? Paul did not look at the prison factor as a negative thing in his life. Paul was convinced, hence his writing, I'm not a prisoner of Rome, I'm a prisoner of Christ. Christ has put me right where I'm at for a reason. By the way, if the apostle Paul was put in the prison for no other reason than to be able to see Onesimus come to an eternal faith in Jesus Christ, was Paul's stay in prison worth it? Talk to me. Was it worth it? So if we get a sickness, if we have marriage issues, if we have financial struggles, if we have trouble with our children, if we have uh, financial problems in this world, if we, have, if we lose our job, if you fill in the blank for whatever you think is one of the worst things that you could think you'd have to deal with, God is aware that you're having to deal with it and he's allowed it 
or through the course of time, it's happened for a purpose. And as believers, our responsibility as followers of Christ is to say, I am going to find God's purpose in this issue. As we look at this, we see that Paul, as a prisoner of Jesus Christ, sits in this Roman jail and he continues to preach and, and minister and do kingdom work even though he's under the care of Rome. Let's look at verse 11. The Bible says, Which in times past was to thee unprofitable, but now profitable to thee and to me. Onesimus' name. We went over this several weeks ago when I started this study. Onesimus' name, his name means profitable. Now, how profitable do you think a servant is that runs away and steals goods from you and disappears? Doesn't sound like a very profitable servant, does it? But Paul writes in verse 11, which in times past was to the unprofitable. He says, he says, listen, Philemon, I know you have a right. I know you have a right to be aggravated with Onesimus. I know you have a right to lay claim to how he is not... Uh, he has basically stolen from you and not produced the profitableness that he should have. I know that he, he has done this to you. And he says, listen, that's the time past. He's trying to encourage Philemon to look beyond what happened in the past and look to this future of a profitable young man that has come to faith in Jesus Christ. Look at what he says at the end of verse 11. But now profitable to thee and to who? And to Paul. You know, when you look in the passage of Scripture and you see, I see verses like this, I think of so many times in my life in ministry, I come across people, and, and I'm, I'm guilty, I have to admit some guilt in this, even of myself, where I've, I've dealt with people in ministry or in life that seem to be so unprofitable. What in the world is this, they do things that are contrary to Scripture. They do things that are contrary to uh, teamwork and effort and, and trying to do kingdom building. Um, I, I sometimes wonder if they don't feel called to um, uh, maybe renovation ministry where they think that their job is to tear stuff down and somebody else can come back behind them and build it back up. And when you have people come around like that, it's very hard to view them as a profitable servant because the effect they're having from what your perception is, is a negative impact. However, God is allowing this to take place for a reason. And in that reason, we have to recognize that God is sovereign and he does have a plan and we have to allow him, God, room to work in his way. As we look here in verse 11, we see that Paul brings very clearly to Philemon's attention that he rec Paul recognizes, listen, Philemon, I know this guy has caused you to lose money, but I'm telling you now he's profitable to you and to me. He's, he's saying this guy is valuable. Don't allow his past mistakes, his past decisions, his past foolishness to cloud your judgment on the person he has become now in Christ. Let's look at verse 12. Paul says this, Whom I have sent again, thou therefore receive him that is my, uh, in my own bowels. Onesimus becomes, uh, Paul, uh, comes on Paul's behalf to Philemon. He bears this letter from Paul. And in the letter from Paul, Paul states clearly 
to Philemon, listen, I am sending Onesimus to you not for him to make things right with you. That's partially it. But the other part is, I'm trying to show you how valuable he is to me as I'm in prison. And I can't come to you right now. But I can give him a letter and he can bring it to you. And it's profitable to both of us that he now is a believer. If you look here, we also see that Philemon refused, uh, if, if Philemon forgive, refused to forgive Onesimus, he would have crushed Paul's heart. It would have been hurtful to Paul if Philemon would have refused to forgive Onesimus for his past actions now that Onesimus had become a believer in Jesus Christ. Listen, this is, this is incredibly remarkable that Paul would put his reputation and his love on the line to help a slave who ran away and did his boss wrong. Yet Paul uses his good reputation to help Onesimus to correct and to repair a, a breach in a relationship with a now brother in Christ. I, I thought this was interesting. Calvin wrote this. If the conversation of a man of God were est 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 estimated by us at its proper value, we too would embrace in the same manner those who should have, should have evidence that they had truly and sincerely repented. What Calvin's saying is, if we genuinely come across someone who has repented and came to faith in Jesus Christ, he says that, that the, in the same manner, those who should give evidence, people whose lives have changed and now they, they have the evidence of, of believership in their life, that we should properly value them based on their new life and not their old one. Let's, let's look at verse 13. Paul says to Philemon, whom I would have retained with me, that in thy stead he might have ministered unto me in the bonds of the gospel. As we look here in verse 13, Paul tells Philemon, listen, my will was that I wish I could have kept Philemon with me because he was profitable to me and he, he can help me. And he says, by the way, Philemon, you can't be here, but when Philemon was here, he could help me with the things you're not here and able to do. So Paul is, Paul is basically trying to lay out to Philemon, be careful about your pride, Philemon, because Onesimus is value to, valuable to me, and he can do things right now you can't do because you're tied up in your business and you're doing what you're doing, but Philemon, or Onesimus was in a position where he could be here with me and he could be helpful to me, unlike what, what, where you're at right now. So Paul is, is trying to get Philemon to embrace the value that has now been found in Onesimus as he's become a believer in Jesus Christ. And if you look here in verse 13, he says, that in thy stead he might have ministered unto me in the bonds of the gospel. Paul says, listen, Onesimus could have taken your place and stayed here. And Paul could have chosen to do so. Again, I want to, I want to reflect back to the authority Paul had as an apostle. Paul could have, in, a, in an apostolic decree, told Philemon, I'm keeping Onesimus here, and you, you just need to give him to me, and we need to move on from here. 
But Paul doesn't do that because Paul recognizes that even though Onesimus has come to faith in Christ, he is property of Philemon. And Paul recognizes that in this position, he needs to understand it's not his place to take Philemon's property to himself. It's Philemon's choice as to what happens with Onesimus after he goes back. Onesimus goes back and tries to make right the relationship with Philemon. We see here in verse 14, Paul says this, but without thy mind would I do nothing. Paul says, Philemon, I know what I wanted. He tells us what he wanted in verse 13. But in verse 14, Paul says, listen, I'm wanting your mind to make this decision, not mine. I want to let you do that. And then he says that thy benefit should not be as it were of necessity, but willingly. He says, Paul says, Philemon, I don't want you to feel like you had to do this. I want, I want you to willingly do it. It's your choice. I want you to consider this. Uh, one of the commentators, Cobb, uh, he makes this statement. Herein is a lesson that many need to learn. It is always better to receive obedience because someone wants to do instead of because they are forced to do. Now imagine your children. What brings more satisfaction to you as a parent? Your child cleaning his room of his own accord or his cleaning his room because you have commanded him to do so? Obviously, you would know that most of us would probably faint and have to have rescue come out if we showed up and our child cleaned their room on their own. Um, I've raised two children, and I know what it's like to think you're entering a cave of clothing. I get it. And it's amazing when you come home one day, and all of a sudden, the cave, you can actually see the walls. And there's pictures on the walls. And the bed's made. And the shoes are lined up. And it's like, what happened? They cleaned the room. And it's like, oh my, I need to go sit down. This is crazy. It's so rewarding when, you, when your child begins to mature and they begin to do things because they know they need to be done, not because you've asked them. Listen, I can tell you as a dad, it's really cool when I come home and the lawn's mowed and I didn't have to ask for it. I live out in the country. We don't have trash men that come to our house. We have to take our trash to the dump. It is really cool to come home and not see the trash sitting on a trailer because I don't have to take it to the dump then. And I didn't have to ask anybody to do it. They just did it. It's really cool to see people who willingly do what needs to be done. It totally changes the environment when you have to tell people to do stuff. It changes the spirit at which they do it with. It changes the motive at which they do it with. It changes the reward they get in doing it and the attitude and the behavior they display while doing it. Paul says, listen, I'm, I don't want to force you with this. He says, Philemon, this is your choice. I want your mind on this. And through your mind, if you could, you could give your decree what you would like to do, I'll abide by it and I'll live by it. We see here in verse 14, this is the attitude in verse 14 that we try to instill in our children regarding attending worship services. Think of, think of you know, many of us have raised children and, and they've been in church and, and we've done what we believe uh, the expectation would be that when, when it's time to go to church, we tell our kids it's time to go to church and we tell them to get in the car and we go to church. 
I had a preacher friend one time tell me that his, his family, when he was young, he had a drug problem. His parents always drug him to church. And so, you got that? So, and when he got old enough that he could make it, he got out of his mom and dad's house and he quit going to church for a little while because he was tired of being made to go to church. But through the teachings that he learned from mom and dad making him go to church, the teachings that were in his heart, the love that his parents displayed for him, the relationship his parents had for Lord Jesus Christ, and God working in his life, he came to a place where he came back around and realized, you know, church, church is a good thing in my life. I need it. And he began attending church again as he got a little bit older. Now, I will tell you that between the time he quit going to church and the time he started going to church, there was a lot of stuff that went under the bridge. A lot of stuff that he had to, he had to live with and regrets he had to deal with because he had no spiritual influence in his life that was helping him make wise choices. But what an awesome thing to know your children go to church because they desire to, not because you make them. Listen, this is the idea here Paul is trying to show in his relationship with Philemon that he doesn't want to force him to make this choice in Paul's favor. He wants Philemon to make this choice on his own will. Paul's not going to force Philemon here. Paul doing so, as I said a minute ago, would assume the master role in Philemon's life. And Paul knew he was not Philemon's master. God is. And Paul approaches it that way. The only thing Paul has excessively asked for in this situation is for Philemon to receive Onesimus back as a, as a believer in Christ. He says, Philemon, I don't expect you to let Onesimus go free. Philemon, I don't expect you to forgive him for all uh, and, and, and all the profit you lost from him. I understand that you might put an expectation on him to pay that back, and that's only fair. But he says, Philemon, would you accept him back as a brother in Christ? Verse 14, but without thy mind would I do nothing, that thy benefit should not be as it were of necessity, but willingly. I want you to see the value in Onesimus as a, as a believer in Jesus Christ, not as a slave. That's what he's telling them. Verse 15, For perhaps he therefore departed for a season that thou shouldest receive him forever. I love this point. So Onesimus gets involved in sin. He steals from his master and runs away. And you know what Paul's response to Philemon about it is? Maybe God allowed Onesimus to run away so he could come in contact with me in jail so he could become a believer in Jesus Christ and be sent back to you to make things right. He says, don't be mad at Onesimus because God's plan for his life was for him to go through this process. Boy, I tell you what, there's a lot of truth for us believers about how we act and behave towards other believers who don't do the things we think they ought to do right? I want you to think about the prodigal son. Who would agree? Uh, no one in the right mind would agree that the prodigal son made a wise choice by taking half his inheritance and going and sitting in a hog pen, being poor and coming to himself, realizing his dad's slaves, his dad's servants ate better than he did. I don't think anybody in the right mind, anybody would agree that that was a wise move and a good thing. But I'll tell you what, when that prodigal son came back home, his heart was different. He realized the value of dad's love. But when you read the story, what do you see about the older brother? He gets mad. 
He gets mad. Listen, God doesn't ask us to agree with everybody in their sin and making poor decisions and causing problems. He doesn't ask us to agree with it. And in many cases, we read scriptures, we find out that we're, we're, to, we're to shun evil and, and, and rebuke sin, and I, I get all that. But we need to make sure that when we do these things, we do it with love, the right spirit, that we're not doing it to be hateful and to, to ostracize, but we're doing it to help people realize the error in their way, to bring them back to Christ, not to push them away from him. So we look here, we see Paul in his teaching with Onesimus and, and Philemon. He says, listen, he says, for perhaps he therefore departed for a season. And look what he says here, that thou shouldest receive him forever. He says, he says, Philemon, I know that he ran away. I know you lost money over this deal, but Philemon, you gained a brother eternally in Jesus Christ. Look at the big picture. How about verse 16? Now, not now as a servant, but above a servant, a brother beloved, specially to me. But how much more unto thee, both in the flesh and in the Lord? So Paul, Paul tells Philemon, listen, verse 16, not now as a servant. I don't want you to view him as a servant now. He says, but above a servant. He says, a brother. I want you to, Paul says, I want you to, to look at Onesimus no longer as a servant who ran away. I want you to look at him as a brother that has returned. He says here in verse 16, beloved, especially to me. He says, listen, Philemon, if you have a problem with finding the love that you need to have to view him as a brother, I want you to consider the fact that he is especially to me viewed as a brother. Paul just got done saying that Onesimus is a son in his faith. He's watched the growth take place in his life as he's discipled him. Any person obeying the gospel of Christ becomes the brother to whom all the rights, honors, privileges, and love of a Christian fellowship and de derived from that, that redeemed spirit ought to be bestowed upon regardless of those past things that have been done. I like what the one commentator says. Uh, we were just talking about him out in the hallway. Y'all ever heard of J. Vernon McGee? Y'all ever listen to him on the radio? Through the Bible, I think, is his radio program. He's, he's long passed away, but, man, he's a good country preacher. J. Vernon McGee says this. He says, since Onesimus has become a believer, his status and relationship to Philemon are different. He is still a slave, and now he is a beloved brother as well. So he is now really profitable. Now his name, Onesimus, profitable? It's applicable to him in his life because now he's a believer in Jesus Christ and he's profitable to the kingdom work. And it just so happens that Philemon has the honor and privilege to have Onesimus as his slave, as one of his household. The other thing is he can live up to his name now for the first time in all of his life. Now he's not just earthly profitable, now he's become eternally profitable. Let's look at verse 17. If thou count me therefore a partner, receive, receive him as myself. We're going to finish up tonight with this verse, which I think is very interesting. That word partner, if you go back and you guys know, I, I don't really get into this a whole lot, but if you go back into the original languages, you'll find out that that word partner is, is tied to the word koinonia. Do you all know what koinonia is? Koinonia is fellowship or church. 
or communion, community or communion of people. He says, if thou count therefore me, Paul, as a partner, koinonia, a, a fellowship, a tight-knit group, someone even, if I'm understanding what I've read correctly, someone even say that this may even reflect the fact that Paul and Philemon at some point in time may have taken communion, the Lord's table together. And he's pointing back to their their relationship in Jesus Christ as brothers, and now Onesimus shares in that same relationship. You've heard the statement, the, cross is, the, 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 the ground is level at the cross of Calvary. Everybody has to come the same way. Okay? Paul here, if, if thou count me therefore a partner, if, if you count me as someone that has, has taken communion with you, we are in the brotherhood together. We are fellowshipping together, achieving, uh, looking to achieve the same kingdom work, the same goal. He says, receive Onesimus as me. He says, listen, Philemon, if you have a hard time looking beyond what Onesimus has done to you, when you look at him, see me. Wow. Paul really is trying to help Philemon overcome hard feelings towards this brother in Christ who's being discipled and growing in the kingdom of God. I think it's interesting when you read the book of Philemon, if you look at the sermon title that I've used online uh, for the notes and so forth, you'll see that it's the, the title under it is Philemon, Faith, Forgiveness, Friendship, and Freedom. This book is, is full of instruction on how we walk in the faith, how we can exercise forgiveness, how we can build friendship, and how we can experience freedom. And Onesimus, I want you to consider Onesimus being a, a primary character in this book. When he went into prison, he went in there as a Roman prisoner. But like Paul, like Paul in prison, he, he experienced a life of faith. In that life of faith, he found forgiveness, not just from God, but he's finding forgiveness from someone that he wronged here on earth. As he finds forgiveness of someone he wronged here on earth, he creates friendships in his life that are going to last forever with Paul and with, with Philemon and the church there in Philemon's house. And in doing so, even though Onesimus remains a slave, he finds his freedom in Jesus Christ and serving Philemon as a brother more than a master from here on out. That's a powerful story, isn't it? When we look at this, we'll, we'll finish up uh, the book here. Most likely the next time we get together in the chapter, there's, there's possibly two sermons out of it. I, I am trying to develop uh, how I want to divide them because I don't want to go over. And you all know I'm really good at going over in time. So I want to encourage you, listen, the book of Philemon is a phenomenal book. Paul here, I, I love how Paul displays a heart of brotherhood. And I want to encourage you tonight. Listen, in a, in, a, in a room full of people, listen, I even go so far as to say this, when two people get together and begin to try to accomplish something in any realm, there's going to be disagreements where people don't see eye to eye. Would everybody agree with that? We're not always going to see eye to eye. It's okay to be different, amen? Okay, as long as it's not sinful, it's okay to be different. And I love how Paul brings out in this and encourages Philemon. 
Philemon, make sure you view him as a brother in Christ. See, so many times when we don't see eye to eye with people or we're trying to get somebody to do something we want them to do without actually coming out and telling them what to do, we, we struggle with pride in our life that we are the master and they're supposed to listen or we, we're trying to take control and authority and we expect them to do it because of an authoritative standpoint. When Paul gives us a great example here of making sure that we keep our hearts and our, our attitudes set in such a way where there's a brotherhood. There's a genuine love as a brother would have for a brother. And there's tenderness and there's care and there's, there's persuasion and there's teaching and there's communication that's healthy to help take the steps in the right direction that need to be gone. I want to encourage you as we close our time in the Word of God tonight. Look at the book of Philemon. See what Paul does. See the life that gets, gets created in Onesimus. And now the son of the faith that Paul is discipling and bringing along. And I want you to consider, not a one of us are perfect. Not a one of us. I guarantee you every one of us has stuff in our past that we, would, we, we don't want to think about poor decisions we've made, maybe even outright just meanness or hatefulness that crept up into our life and we, we exhibited to somebody or something. And we would want people to forgive us and look beyond that as we became a child of God and as we try to be the child of God we ought to be. Brothers and sisters, shouldn't we feel the same way about one another? To be able to look beyond past mistakes and to be able to embrace somebody because of their position in Jesus Christ. They're just like we are. They're a son or daughter of God. Listen, I love the book of Philemon. What a powerful book. And I appreciate the opportunity to speak on it tonight. And as I said, we'll finish it up here in the next few weeks. But I'm excited to see what God's doing in my heart and my life as I read the book, the leadership lessons I'm learning. And uh, I want to encourage you to do the same. If you get the chance, Maybe you have five or ten minutes. Read the book of Philemon. Read it. Digest it. Think about it. Meditate on it. And see what God does in your heart as you read. I'd love to hear how he speaks to you and what he's doing in your life. Well, let's go ahead and pray. I, I do want to say, if you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, well, I tell you what, I wouldn't want a service to go by where we wouldn't give somebody an opportunity to know that, listen, Jesus Christ died for you on the cross of Calvary. He loves you. God loves you and he sent his son to die on the cross to take on the sins of the world. That's your sin, that's my sin. And if Jesus didn't do that, we'd be destined for a burning hell. But he loved us so much, he went to the cross of Calvary and took our sin on and he died for our sin. Three days later, he rose again. 50 days after that, he ascended on high and he's at the right hand of the Father. Listen, if you've never trusted in Jesus Christ, if you've never put your faith in him, asked him into your life to forgive you for your sin and given your life to God to live for God. Tonight, before we close, maybe you're at home, you're watching online, maybe you're here in this room. Just take a moment of your time right now. Get alone with God and say, God, I want to give my life to you. Please forgive me for my sin. Come into my life. I need you to save me. And God will come into your life and he'll save you. He'll forgive you and you'll be a new creature in Christ. And you can be part of the kingdom work that we're doing here at Oak Leaf as a child of God, as a brother and sister in Christ. If you're a brother and sister in here tonight, and maybe you've been struggling with giving forgiveness to a fellow brother or sister. 
Maybe you've been judgmental. Maybe you've been unkind. I want to encourage you to make it right. Get your heart changed to where it needs to be. That you have good fellowship with those that you serve with and that you're going to live eternally with one day in heaven. I'm not saying you got to become best of buds, but I am saying we've got to exhibit love to one another and be able to work through difficult circumstances. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father.